Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. Where we are is chapter 2, verse 14. I think we finished all the Rashis on verse 13 on Lama Takeh Reecha, the question of why the um, it's in the future tense as opposed to the present tense, um, suggesting that, you're, you're, that, that you, are, you become implicated as soon as you raise your hand to do something violent. Um, and I think we're at verse 14. Does anyone dispute that that's where we are? Okay. Um, Alan, I'd love to invite you to read. I don't think I've, you've, you've read in a while for us. Do you want to read yeah. verse 14? Okay. Make sure. Okay. Uh, 2.14. Vayomer mi samcha leish Sar Bishafet Alenu Hal Hargeni Ata Ata Omer Kaasher Harakta et Hamitri Bayuar Moshe Vayomer Achen Noda Hadavar. Okay, let's see if we can okay. uh, pull that apart. Okay, uh, and he said. Uh, who, uh, who made you the person that is going to judge over us? Good. Okay. Okay. Uh, on the on the hay of halahargeni, which is a hard phrase to decipher, remember that in biblical Hebrew you can put a hey patach in front of a verb and it makes it interrogative. Uh, did, did you intend to kill, uh, to, to, to kill, to kill me? Good. Halehargeni. Is it to kill me? Is probably the best way of, of translating it because it's still in the infinitive. Ha. Truly, ha'im laharog oti. Is it in order to kill me? And then, what, how do you handle ata omer? Uh, uh, do you intend to kill me? That just like you said, or like you were going to do when you killed the the Egyptian. Good. So the fact that it's hard to translate the ata omer gives us a clue into how Rashi's going to look at the verse. It's not, they're not hard words. You say, it's just hard to fit into the sentence. Is it to kill me that you say, just as you killed the Egyptian without the Ataomer in there, the ver- it actually makes more sense. Is it to kill, is, are you, is it to kill me just as you killed the Egyptian? Right. So we're going to have to deal with what the Ataomer means. Go ahead. And Moses was afraid. Good. Um, and he said, um, then, um, uh, like, uh, now it's, it's, it's for sure. Now, no, oh, now the, uh, the thing is known. Good. It, it, everything's known. It's spread out. Yeah. Good. The way Uncleus translates Achen is Bekushta. Kushta in Aramaic is truth, right? Like, it's almost like verily. Verily, the thing is known. Okay, so if you put it all together, and then I'm going to ask you to ask, look, like, think about the questions you would ask in the verse. But if we put it all together, he said, "Who has placed you, Lasim? Who has placed you as man and judge, uh, and administer and, and judge upon us? Is it to kill me that you say, as you killed the Egyptian?" And Moses was afraid, and he said, "Verily, the thing is known." Okay. So now all the words make sense. We basically have a sense of what's going on. Before we look at Rashi, let's do what we sometimes do. What questions would you ask on this verse? What, what, which part of this verse, Omer Darshani, right, says, drash me out. Marshall. Uh, I don't know what the word ish means. What's he even doing there? And I don't know what the word hatavar means. What are they referring to? Good. Good. So if we just, 
like amplify that question as we've discussed now for weeks ish is a light word there's like a uh, as Buber would say, a light word in this scene because we keep seeing the word ish appear. Um, but why is the word ish needed in the phrase? Because if the person is saying to Moshe, are you here as a judge over me? Then we don't need, are you here as a man judge over me? So why does ish reappear in the verse? Good. And again, at this point, I'm looking for questions, not answers. Andrew? Sarvisho fate is interesting to me because... Uh, it seems to imply two different things. Uh, what does it mean to be a ruler and a judge? Good. So the the, the thing that's being thrown back at Moshe, it, it, the, the three things that Moshe is being named as doing, Ish, Sar, and Shofet, are they each different accusations or, 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 or things being thrown at Moshe? Sar is some language, I guess in modern Hebrew, it's a minister, but here it's more like an authority figure. In some way, in some early Hebrew, it's actually prince or princess, like the word Sarah comes from princess, right? So what's the difference between the two? What's really being said by the person speaking to Moshe? And I would add, as we're looking at questions, who's speaking? We have a Vayomer, but we, ha- we don't have the subject named. The best we can do is look back to the antecedent, and maybe it's the person that Moshe was speaking to, the, Moshe, the person Moshe was speaking to was just known as the Rasha. The, 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 is it like the obviously identified evil one amongst them? So is he the one speaking back to Moshe? There were two people in the scene. Okay. Uh, Vered. You must unmute, Vered. Now I do. I okay, do. good. Um, the question is, how did they know? I mean, how was the rumor spread that Moshe already killed the, the Egyptian? Very good, right? So we we learn in the verse that these that at least one of these two men who are Nitzim who are fighting with each other have found out that in a previous scene Moshe had killed the Egyptian in our Torah, it's the previous verse. Did it happen yesterday? Did it happen a week ago? Yeah. Did it happen a month ago? Is, 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 is it a good thing that the Hebrews find out that this Hebrew Egyptian, and we don't know, we also don't know what they think of Moshe. Of Moshe, exactly. Right? One of them or not one of them, but, but what are we supposed to do with the fact that this information is known? We're about to learn in the next verse, just to give you know spoiler alert, that Moshe is very nervous about it being known. We could have made the argument that, you know, it, it, it's a it, it's it's good for the Jewish people for the Savior to begin to identify himself, as it were. So I just want to say it's like a lot, a lot of information, giving like a little words, put in one mishpat, in one sentence. Yes, you know, yes. The, the, it's a very, it's a very, it's a very, it's like an overly chunky sentence. Uh, Barry, question, then Diane, Larry, question, then we'll look at Rashi, unless someone else has a question. So in the previous uh, uh, verse or two verses ago, he, he had looked around and there was nobody there watching. Right. So you're, you're intensifying Vera's question, right? Not only how did it get to be known so quickly, how did it get, get to be known in general if, it seen, if, if the, what the Torah was reporting to us is that he was alone? Ainish. Right, right. That, that's that that that's where one of the ishes of our words of our verses have been used. Vayarki ain't He saw there was nobody around. Yes, we drashed it. We he saw that there was no there was there was there was no person worthy of being called an ish. But the pshat is he saw there was no ish. But there there's it's like the, the there's always an ish. There's always an ish who's watching what you're doing. Right, Diane Larry. You have only a question about the preposition le in front of Ish, I would think, mm. <clears throat> I would think the question, Vayomer mi samcha, then it would be to, to be, or else it would be to judge. So you would think there would be verbs there, or to be. Yeah. Le Ish, and I assume that the Le then continues, but maybe not. Le Sar, the, I don't quite understand the preposition. Great. You, we, we could spend a long time 
on prepositions in general as we in this class, and sometimes we do because they're interesting wormholes and they just just Hebrew syntax and certainly biblical Hebrew syntax is just different than English syntax. The, I'm going to look to see what a second, however Fox translates it, but I've always thought of it as an as. Who placed you as a man, authority figure, and judge over us? Because what's coming next are nouns, and the sum is to place or appoint. Who, who appointed you? In, maybe in English, we would, we would take out the as, say who appointed you judge and jury? But it's like, who appointed you as judge and jury? Every even in per- biblical Hebrew, wouldn't we normally use ki? Sure, but we, but we know that the biblical prepositions are pluripotent, like cells that have not yet differentiated, right? Everett Fox said, writes, he said, who made you prince and judge over us? This is actually very interesting, Everett Fox, because he not only elides the preposition, he takes out ish. Unless I'm reading it wrong, Everett Fox un, like just does not translate ish in the sentence. Who made you prince and judge over us? Did you do you mean to kill me? That's the Halargeni, as you killed the Egyptian. He also turns the Ata Omer of the Halargeni Ata Omer as do you mean, right? Do you mean to kill me? Which is different than Omer. Moshe became afraid and said, "Surely the matter is known." Now this makes me curious about some of the other translations we have. I want to hear some of the translations and see if they what they do with the preposition of le. Do you do they have all three nouns in the phrase both ish and sar and shofet and how the ata omer is rendered? So you're you're gonna like alter alter does all that. Okay, let's hear it. And he said, "Who set you as a man, prince, and judge over us?" Is it to kill me that you mean as you kill the Egyptians? And Moses yes. was afraid and he thought, surely the thing has become known. Good. So the you mean is similar between Alter and Ever Fox. It's, it's, a, it's a fair rendering of Ata Omer, but it's not a literal translating. But Alter takes, gives the preposition and puts all three. Did anyone have the Eitz Chaim in front of them? I want to see how JPS translates it. Uh, thank you, Toba. Intend. Intend is his use of Omer. Great. Um, the, 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 these different translations that either exclude the Ata Omer or turn it into an intend or a mean, kind of in relief, and like a ba relief makes Rashi's comment that we're about to read yet more interesting. Who, anyone have a, the Eitz Chaim in front of them? Usually someone has that. I have the JPS Hebrew English Tanakh. Okay, so, oh, by the way, welcome, Robert, and I want to pause. We've met Robert on previous classes. He's a, a dear family friend from Connecticut, and it's my first time visually seeing you since I learned the sad news of your father, uh, Thank you. who was a significant part of my childhood at, at Congregation Or Shalom and, and, and a part of my, my visual landscape as a young Jewish boy. Uh, and I can picture where they would sit in shul. And uh, I haven't seen him, obviously, in decades, but I was sad to hear that the world had lost him. He's a chro baruch, Robert. Thank you. Are you still in Shiva? Um, I'm not in Shiva anymore. Shiva ended on Monday. But I figured Torah study is appropriate anyway. Yes, and please extend my condolences to your mother. Um, Okay, what what were you about to say? Uh, JPS translates it simply as, do you mean to kill, which is the same as intent? And does the JPS, what's the, previ- the previous phrase in JPS in terms of the three nouns? It's only two, chief and ruler. Who made you chief and ruler? Interesting. Chief and ruler. So, so no one really knows what to do with the, 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 the ish here. Unless, I wonder if some people are reading the ish sar as an unhyphenated hyphen. Ish Ish dash sar, like a a a man ruler or a man chief. That verse um, says he replied, "Who made you a man, a ruler, and a judge over us? Are you saying you're going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian?" Aha! Uh-huh. So that's very literal. It, it, it keeps the preposition as, keeps all three, and are are you saying you're going to kill us? Right, because that's the Ata Omer. Good, good. Um, all right. 
any other questions on the um, on the verse before we look at some of the Rashi's? Oh, Matt, sorry, Matt. I, I just saw hands up. Matt, Joel, and then Leonard, Rebecca. You got to unmute, Matt. Unmute. Yes. Okay. So I was thinking, ish sarvesh shofet could be translated into sort of very slangy English as as like I don't know the grammatic. I can't come up with a grammatical description for this. But who made you an officer and judge man over us? Ish. Hmm. In other words, I guess sarvesh shofet modifies modifies ish. Interesting. Right. Um, they're, they're like like uh, like a kind of a a doubled smichut, an ish sar and an ish shofet. Right, that, that's what I'm trying to say, I think. Yeah, I mean, yes, you know, and um, the, 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 they're, each, they're, they're not hyphenated in the Torah. They each get their own right. trope. And, and I don't know of other places where that exists, but the fact that some of the translations avoid the word makes me think that a lot of the translators over time thought pretty similar to how you're thinking. Like, we're not... We don't know if that word needs to be translated. Uh, Uncleus, by the way, does. If you look at Uncleus, he gives it all three. Well, he meaning he puts the word ish into Aramaic. He still might be implying the same thing that as a smichut, right? But Amar mi shavyech, who placed you? That verb shavyech shin vet vabyud. You might know it from the phrase shiviti adonai lenegdi tamid. I place you uh, from book of uh, the. the the Book of Psalms, it's often over, um, it's one of the slogans over our own Kodesh's. There's, no in front of whom you're standing. And also, I place you, God, in front of me always. And then it's a Hebrew and Aramaic root here. Here he's using that Aramaic root to uh, translate Psalm to place. Ligvar, as a man. Rav, some kind of a person of authority. That's how he's translating Sar. And Dayan, judge, as Shofet. So he puts it there, but he still could be suggesting that it's a, it's a, it's modified by the next two. Tova. Wait, oh, just uh, one more thought. Also, uh, can I just is, I wonder if the if stop me if this goes. I haven't read the Rashi, but if the race should be a dalid instead of a talmid, it's really a talmid. So, are you standing to to kill us? Are you standing poised to kill us? Say I, I missed the first part. Where did you get the standing from? from <clears throat> reading, reading it as a dollar instead of a race. But that would be an ayin instead uh, of an olive. Uh, oh, stupid! Uh-huh. All right. Uh huh. Well, well, that happens too. You know, right. But that's 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 stretching this. Listen, it, it it wouldn't surprise me if somewhere in the midrashic world there's 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 a you know there's there's a play on that. That that's not too far of a stretch for a midrash, um, but. Right, it's it's missing. It's it's a changing of two of the letters. Uh, okay, just to read out loud what Robert put in the chat, um, the King James version. He said, "Who made thee a prince and a judge over us?" So the King James King James version also untranslates the ish. Intendest thou to kill me? That's like mean, as thou killedest the Egyptian. And Moses feared and said, "Surely this thing is known." Uh, okay, a lot of hands now. Uh, the order in which they're appearing to me even are Joel, Leonard, Rebecca. Tova, Marshall, Rick. I, just, I know that in modern Hebrew, um, amor means like supposed to. Um, I don't mm. know if that's, if Leonard can look in his dictionary. As to, my, my modern dictionary says one of the definitions of amar is to intend, but my biblical dictionary doesn't yeah. say that. Yeah, and as, as I think Andrew posted, um, Sometimes an Omer is an implied Omer la'atzmo, right? Because when we when when we get to the last phrase by Yomer acheno dahadavar, and he said the thing is known, our image of it is probably not. He announced it. He's not saying it to the other people in the scene. So there, the vayomer is he he mused. He thought to himself. So um, even though earlier on the Amar is clearly articulated, right? Because it's being said to Moshe. It, it, it might mean that the root Aleph Mem Resh can mean something besides only to say something out loud. And you're right, in modern Hebrew, Amur Lihiyot is, is a way of saying it. It, it, it is 
supposed to be or intended to be. Um, Tova, uh, Leonard, Rebecca, Tova, Marshall, Rick. On the translation of Ish, the um, Art Stroll Stone edition I have says, who appointed you as a dignitary, a ruler, and a judge over us? Ah, so Ish gets translated as dignitary. Interesting. Yeah, different. Okay, so so they make sense of it, um, but it's a very interesting making sense of it, given how Ish is used elsewhere in these stretch of verses. Great. Tova. Um. I'm just feeling like the, a lot of what we're talking about seems to flow very directly from the previous pasuk, which ends with Lama Takeira Eha, and where that person has been designated as a Rasha. Uh, as we talked about, that Rasha is actually a legalistic term. I mean, it has connotations to labeling somebody that way. So then going on to say, Ishsar Vishofait seems to play into you've labeled me in this way who made you a judge. And then I, I am not a Hebraicist, but uh, I'm looking at it because it's Halahargeni Mer. It's uh, trope wise. It's a phrase. And the way I'm hearing it in my head is, are you saying, or do you say you're going to kill me in perhaps the sense of judgment? You, hmm. You've labeled me Rasha. Are you a judge? Are you now going to punish me, legalistically punish me for this? That's that's how I'm hearing it in my head as it flows. Great, great. Uh, th- th- that definitely adds to the contours of how we should understand the verse. Great. Um, and, and lovely to connect, um, at least in, including the Rashi comment on the takere echa. Right. Right, like, if we're supposed to read, if we take Rashi and the last verse is pshat, that once you go like this, you deserve to be called Rasha. We now have the Rasha saying to Moshe, are you thinking about killing me? If you are, then you're the Rasha. Great, Tova. Really great. Um, uh, Marshall, Rick, Robert, Vered. Yeah, just in the translation of of Unclus that I have, the translator inserted the word who is. And he said, who made you a man who is a ruler and judge over us? And that's a translation of the uncleus, you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. So it, that actually might go back to what Matt said before, that, that some of the translators are reading Sar and Shofate as specifying or modifying, clarifying what kind of ish this guy is telling, is asking Moshe, does he think of himself as? Great. Great. Uh, Rick? Uh, hi. Um sure. Uh, Tova uh, started on it, which is just great, about the trope. Um, if you look at the phrases, um, Aleinu is the end of one set, Sarva Shofet Aleinu, and then Halhargeni Atawamer is a set. So um, I think Moses must have said something like, um, uh, after he said, why are you hitting your neighbor? Why are you hitting your fellow? There's something there. He must have said something that's lost uh, um, before the uh, other man said, are you going to kill me? You said, I mean, it, it's there. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm surprised that there's no drosh that uh, uh, Moses uh, said something there. Kasher Harakta Ed Hamitri is the end of that first clause and then the rest of it but um there is something there great and now that i look at the trump again uh connecting the last two things we heard you you can indeed read musically that the word that ish sar and shufate are not musically a trio suggesting that those are the three things that this guy is saying to moshe do you think yourself as it's actually there's a there's a musical break between Ish, Sar, and Shofet because the the trump under Sar is a mapach which begins the musical phrase. Occasionally, a mapach is preceded. Yeah, but it's, but it, but but it's a but it's it's like a it's like a lead in, right? Yes. Yes. Sar v'Shofet. Even though it's a lead in, the musical phrase begins at Sar. So the yeah. music suggests something like who placed you as a who placed you as a man who is a ruler and a judge upon us. So that really 
kind of uh, validates um, Matt's thinking that the, that the Ish is modified by Sar and Shofet. Uh, Robert, Vera, Diane, Larry, and then we're going to look at Arashi. Uh-oh. Have to unmute Robert. Done. Um, I, I was taught at a young age that the Amar, the Aleph Mem Resh, is more of thought process, as is illustrated at the very end of that pasuk, Vayomar Achena Dahadavar, and he thought. Yes. And I'm wondering whether or not all of 14 and the end of 13 could be read as an internal conversation that Moshe has with himself. Mm. Um, and so it would read, and by the way, Hasheni, the second day, the next day, as opposed to Bayom Sheni, another day, he went out the second, the next day, sees these two people fighting, and he thinks to himself, mm. um, let me just get to where I am. He thinks to himself, why are, why is this person thinking out to himself, not out loud, but I would say this person, why are you doing that? And then he continues to have this internal dialogue, which ends with his having a realization, not because of what others have said, but because of what he thought. Really very interesting. Sometimes this Amira is actually an articulation, but if you just look at some of the commentaries on the page, if you're in our version, they're they're thinking through the same questions. So in the Sajigaon, Rasag, top right on our page, on the on the Ata Omer in the voice of the Rasha saying to Moshe, he reads it as Ata Rotse, right? Not are you saying you want to kill me, but do you want to kill me? Right? That goes to this notion of Amar as an as a, as a as a expression of will or intention. And then if you look at Ibn Ezra, either the long one or the short one, bottom left. Halahargenia Taomer, is it um, uh, um, is it to kill me that you are saying bilibcha in your heart? Right? Are you are you saying inside yourself, Moshe, that you're intending to kill me? Right? Which is not which makes sense of the of the Amira not as a as a as a sentence that you're saying out loud, but a, a, an internal thought process. Right? Now we, we we ought not read every Amira that way, but it's certainly that some of these in this sentences can be. Okay, two more hands we're going to listen to, and then it's almost nine. We haven't looked at Arash yet. Vered, and then Diane Larry. Uh, my comment is about, well, first of all, I totally agree with Robert. And when we will continue reading the Pasukan and Rashi, I, I totally, you know, um, read it the same way, that it's kind of things he was thinking to himself. But what I want to say is about the word ish. So there are three words here. There's ish and there is sar and a shofet. And ish is uh, related to age in the sense of was Moshe when he was there? Was he a young man? Was he there as a prince? Um, And so maybe he wasn't a man in the sense of age. Maybe he was just younger than than a man age-wise. And they would look at him and you say, who are you? You know, you are just a young man and you, uh, are you a judge? Are you, who are you to tell us what to do? Good. So uh, before we, I listen to Larry and Diane, if you look at Hiskuni on our page, if you're in our book, which is the fourth one down on the right, he says something very similar to Bered. Misam Chalaish, who placed you as a man? Adayin Lobata Lechlal Anashim. You're not even yet in the category of men. And then mm-hmm. there's an implied in Hiskuni, and yet, and yet, Atam Avakesh Liyot Sar Veshofek. And yet you, you, you're not even a man. So, and you want to be a, but you want to be a sergeant and shofet. So it takes the phrase misam chalaish, not as who 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 appointed you as man, but who made you a man? Meaning you're not yet a man. Right. Sarva shofet aleinu, and yet you're going to be a judge upon us. Great, uh, Larry, Diane, and then we'll read Arashi. 
So you and Verit stole my thunder. You know I have a patent on Chizkuni. Sorry. I almost <laughs> actually called on you to read it. I, I, I apologize. Um, so I'm not going to repeat what you said because I agree with all of that. Just to emphasize it, you can almost read it like, going back to my business about the preposition, read the word ish as a verb. Who made you to be the man? Mm-hmm. Or in the vernacular, the man, you, you know, are you the man? And when we talk about the man, <clears throat> we can think about, about it in a number of different ways, which we're going to go to in Rashi. A man as opposed to a boy, a man as opposed to a woman, throw that one away. A man as opposed uh-huh. to a god, or a man as opposed uh-huh. to a royalty. Uh-huh. Are you, you're, you, you, you live in the, the house of the pharaoh, but here you're coming down to us as a man and Ivri. I'm not answering which one of those they are, but all of them sort of resonate. Great. So let's use that as a springboard to starting reading the Rashi. Lair, uh, um, Alan, uh, four hours ago when you started reading the verse, you were the one who's <laughs> on, and uh, now you're going to be on again. So, uh, if you look at, uh, let's see, let's see if, we'll, if we can get through all these Rashis today. No, no rush, but let's see what happens. Okay, Alan, me some Khalish. Alan's got to unmute. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, That's what you were talking about. You're just, you're, you're still a, a young boy. You're not a man. Right. So we can read something in what Rashi said and what Rashi didn't say. He didn't comment on Sarva Shofet. He does comment on Ish which seems to say that in few words, he might be reading it similar to Chizkuni is going to read it a few centuries later. Like the Misam Chaleish is its own phrase. What, what makes you think you're a man as, an, as, as his own idea? And then by Rashi not commenting on Sarva Shofet, it's, it's as if Rashi might be saying that, the, that it's just obvious Then the next phrase we read, such that you should be a Sarva Shofet over us. What, what, what made you a man? when you're still a boy, such that you're going to be a judge over us? Now, we can, I can't prove that. But the fact that he doesn't um, uh, comment on them as a trio um, suggests that, which, again, might explain some of the translations that we've read. Right? We, we know that translation is impacted consciously and unconsciously, and sometimes actually quite intentionally, by commentary. Right. So art school, for sure. Right. Their, their translation of the text, as we discussed, I'm not critiquing this, is a translation refracted through the, the, the prism of Rashi, right? How, how Rashi read a verse is how our school is going to translate the verse, okay? But other commentators who are knowledgeable um, also are impacted on how the verse has been commented on over the years, particularly Rashi. And the fact that if Rashi is not going to translate them as a trio, it might suggest to translators that they're not a trio. And we've seen some of that uh, in, the, in the verses. Okay, anything else we want to say on that, Rashi? All right, let's go to the next one. Hal Hargeni Ata Omer. Mikan Anu. We probably articulate that as Lemedim. We would say Lomdim, but it's Lemedim. It's like, you know what it means. We we learn. Okay. Um, Harago, right? Shahago. Oh, that yeah, that 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 the killing him Bishem with the in the name of uh the exalted name, the God's God's name. Exactly. Yeah. Shem Forash literally means the name as as um, as um, Perush, the, the expanded name, the explicated name. It's 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 rabbinic speak for the the secretive holy name of God, which, when wielded properly, has the power to destroy. Right, like the you know, the, the the name of God that only the Kohen Gadol would know. Okay, mm-hmm. so and now we know what the words mean. What's Rashi saying? Alan or anyone, like the words mean from here we learn that Shaharago, that he killed him with the 
explicit name of God. What, what question is he answering and what's his answer? Um, Open question to anyone. Hello. Yes. Hi. Um, the only thing I can think of is it relates to the later story where the guy says uh, he, he curses the other one with using God's name. You remember? Right. So there's a, there, there's an, there's an explicit and implicit thing going on here. The explicit thing. He's trying to foreshadow. Yeah. Right. So I think that's the Sorry. implicit thing. It's okay. The, the, ec, the, the explicit thing, I believe, is Rashi trying to figure out what the Omer means in this sentence. Remember, we struggle, like, and, and Rashi's not saying Omer belibcha, that, you know, are, are you intending in your heart? It's, he's reading it, like, weirdly literally, right? Is it, um, who placed you as a man judge over us? Are you, are, it's hard to even say in an English sentence. Is it to kill me that you're speaking? Are you speaking in order to kill me? Right? Are you using words to kill me? So Rashi is resolving the weirdness of the Atah Omer, not to suggest that he's saying it in his heart, but he is killing with saying. How do you kill with saying? You kill with saying with Shema Mephorash. That's the explicit problem that's being resolved in the verse. I think you're absolutely right, Rick, that implicitly in the Midrashic layers is the hearkening forward to what we got hearkened forward to a few verses ago, which is when these, th- this scene will reappear when you have the, the, uh, the blasphemer um, who, um, who's the, the offspring of the person of the Egyptian taskmaster and the raped woman who then blasphemes in the camp and then loses his life as a result. So I think that that's certainly implicit. Rick? And, and the part about blaspheming is, is not just saying God's name, you know, like, God damn it. That's not it. It's, it's calling God to do something like God is going to curse you. I, I'm calling God down upon you to curse you. So maybe there's that little backstory there. I don't know, but there's something going on there. Yeah, so. great. great. Great association. Norman and Marshall? I think it's actually hearkening backward that the way in which Moshe killed the Egyptian in a verse or two ago was that he invoked God's name. And so this uh, Israelite is suggesting that he might do the same thing to him because that's the way Moshe did it before. Uh, I, I accept that correction. You're right. The, the pshat of the Rashi, since the harago is past tense, is from here we learn that he, Moshe, killed, the only person he's killed so far is Egyptian, with the Shemim Meforash, and that's, and that's been known. And so now this guy is saying, are you, are you saying, are you going to kill me with words like you killed him? A- absolutely right. I, tr- I read that wrong the first time. Thank you, Norm. Thank Marshall? You. Yeah, I'm just bringing in the, actually, the source that uh, Rashi is using from Tankuma. The full source is, that the word you seek is not said here, but rather you say, and because the word is not used, by that we can deduce that when he says, that induces, it gives us to understand that he's using the Shemam before Rush. Good. And, and it's a particularly interesting um, expansion as we do another, not spoiler alert, but look ahead to the next verse, when we're going to, ha- here we have an interesting absence of a mivakesh, and in the next verse, we're going to have an interesting presence of a mivakesh, because, because, um, it, it, because Pharaoh is going to be mivakesh laharog, to, to, to request to be able to kill Moshe. And, and, and this is the spoiler part, we're going to wonder, why should a king, why should a king have to make any kind of request? Doesn't a king command? So the next verse, we have a mavakesh that is weird, that is there. Here, we sort of have a mavakesh that's weird, that it's not there. Good. Okay. So that's the um, halahargeni. And um, I'm interested, because we have different versions of Rashi in front of us, on, when Alan reads, it might be that some of you either don't have the first four words or they're in brackets. And some of you will have it and not, and not in brackets. There'll be, there might be three different versions of it. In our version, our page, the first four words are in brackets. 
In another edition of Rashi, I have they're not in brackets at all. They're just there. And in some editions of Rashi, it's actually not there. So let's see which one. Alan, are you reading from our book? Oh, can't hear you, Alan. Uh, I am, uh, I'm using Silverman. Okay, so let's see what it, what it says there. What's the first word you have after the next Rashi? Um, okay, and is it in brackets or is it just plain? Plain. Okay, so um, the reason why there's a bracket in our, in our uh, version, after the brackets, you have footnote 65. We've seen this dozens of times. If you look at the note, it says, Bitfus Rishon Leita. This was not in the initial printing of Rashi. It's unclear if this is Rashi or pseudo Rashi or something added to Rashi. Um, but in Silverman, it's just included as normal Rashi. Okay, let's read it. Pshuto, uh, as it's uh, shot as simple meeting that he was afraid, uh, probably afraid that um, uh, he was going that if it was if it was already known like this that he was going to get killed by by the Egyptians by Pharaoh or somebody by Pharaoh and his people. Right. So, so when Rashi says Kipshuto or pseudo Rashi says Kipshuto, so Pashut that he doesn't have, have to explain it. It still leaves us to figure out what does Rashi think is Pashut, and I think you're exactly right, Alan. What does it mean that he was afraid? Well, what would you be afraid of if someone, if you learned that someone knew that you would kill someone? Afraid of retribution. Okay. And whenever mm-hmm. Rashi starts a comment with Kipshuto, he then gets to Umidra Show. Umidra Show, Da'aglo al Shara'ak Yisrael Rishaim. Okay, before you chart translate, I want to share a screen with you, show you what Jastro says about this interesting word. Uh, Okay, so uh, if you see where my cursor is, uh, it's a really interesting word. I I assume it's from the Greek, although I don't know any English uh, cognates. Delator or dilator, and he puts it in English, delator, an informer, a sycophant. Um, and he gives us several places where it, it, it appears. Anyone know of an English word that is stems from that? I couldn't think of one. Couldn't think of any way in which that uh, has made it into our language. But that's what that word means. It's, a, it's a clearly from the Greek. Uh, I don't think, doesn't look Latin to me. Um, and it's um, an informer or a sycophant, probably in this context understood as an informer. So, uh, See if you can translate that. So what, what if the shot is he was afraid that, um, you know, his deed would be found out. What's the Midrash? The Aglo. He worried that, uh, that in Israel there were wicked people and informers. Okay. By the way, um, Tova, very possible. Deleterious. Uh, that could be it. Uh, that was, so someone should look up the etymology of deleterious. So, and, and, and we're, we're halfway through a thought. So why is Moshe worried by seeing that there are informers in Israel? Amar. Uh, one moment. Amar. And by the way, Amar in this Rashi does not mean say. He's, Rashi is using the word Amar to mean he mused. He said to himself. He's not announcing it. So he said to himself, Mayata. Mayata. Perhaps these people are not worthy of being redeemed. Oh my, so much happening in this little Rashi uh, taken, from the tan- taken from the Tanchuma. So I, I, I want to flesh it out, but I want to hear how other people flesh it out first. What, what, what's your Rashi on the Rashi here? What, what, what do you think is kind of going on in this Midrash turned into a very um, concise comment? Who has a thought on it? You don't have, you're going to have to raise your hand. You just unmute and start talking. What, 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 it, what, what? It, seems, it seems like he's already anticipating who he is. Yeah, right? We know the story. So we see Moshe the lad as Moshe the Redeemer. But Moshe the lad isn't Moshe the Redeemer yet. We saw how prescient it was that in the previous scene, previous verse, he's killing an Egyptian, right? Suggesting the role he's about to play. 
So but indeed, indeed, it is prescient. He is a young boy still. He's not a man yet. Right. He has a prescience of who he is. Right. And and so, so I don't know, wildly and anachronistically living out the redeemer role he's about to play, even though he hasn't been in front of the burning bush yet, he hasn't been to Midian, none of this happened, that he's nervous that, what, he won't be able to complete the job because they won't even be worthy of the redemption that only he can carry out. It's such a fantastical... A backstory. His mom has raised him while he's living in the palace, in Pharaoh's palace, and his mom has raised him. He's got some idea of what's going on. He doesn't know what it all means. He has some some youthful concept of himself. Right. Two days ago, he hadn't yet vayetzed elachav. He hadn't gone out to his brethren. He was still very much a palace boy, right, on some level. And now he's so nervous that that he's, that that since his deed has been known, it means that there are informers malshinim in the community, and informers have always been a negative thing in Jewish thought, but like particularly in the time of the Talmud and Rashi, right? To, to inform on a Jew against the authorities was considered an absolute no-no. And I'm going to put a parenthesis in here. It's still a no-no in some parts of the Haredi world. And I think it's a disgusting no-no. It's such a, to be a malshin is such a, a, a Jewish communal no-no in the Haredi community that they don't take things to the authorities, right? That's why, you know, sexual abusers and financial abusers of all, of all sorts are dealt with internally because the, the one, one thing you may not do in some parts of the Jewish community is turn a Jew over to the authorities. That stems from an era where turning a Jew over to the authorities meant the Jew would be treated unfairly. Like it comes from an honest place, right? So, but, so, so Moshe is saying, ah, if there, there are Malshinim amongst us and Malshinim are some of the worst things you can be, maybe this people is, deserves to be enslaved, never going to be redeemed. Um, I'm loving the etymology on the side here. Thank you for all that. Uh, great. Deleterious, noxious. Um, very interesting. So yeah, that, 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 that will c- connect to be an informer. Great. Love it. Um, any other comments on, uh, on this Rashi, the, the first part of which he may never have said, he may never have said the shot part, just the drash part. Leonard Rebecca, then Marshall. Hi. Um, the the word is is from Greek, and there is an English word that directly relates to it. And that's the verb delate. It's an archaic verb, but it means to accuse or denounce. It means exactly the same thing as it does here. To delate. Yes. Interesting. Great. Thank you. I love learning words. Now I have to use the word delate in a sermon. Marshall. You're still muted, Marshall. Joel, that's a new Scrabble name. Scrabble word. Scrabble word. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. The question is, why was Moses afraid? Uh, maybe because it doesn't say that he was afraid because he was he was afraid someone was going to injure him. But he has another reason that maybe they people will not be redeemed, and as someone suggested. He would not be able to carry out his, uh, call it a preordained uh, mission. But remember, later he flees. Right. He, he, he's about to flee. To flee. He, do, he doesn't yet. Um, um, he doesn't yet have the mission that he's now afraid he's not going to be able to fulfill. That's going to happen in a few in a few, in a few verses. Um, I, I think what you were applying also that there. This is a kind of a, a, um, a, a, a praising of Moshe that it's not that he was afraid for his own life, which is the natural thing to be afraid for. He was afraid for the people. He was afraid that the people are just not, are, are just not good enough. Diane, Larry, and then Tova. I, I, <clears throat> I may have missed it while I was putting in that etymology. You, you mentioned the 12th uh, blessing in the Shemona Esrei, the Mashinim. Um, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't mention it explicitly, but yes. So, but where did you where do you see actually see the reference to the word malshinim or malshinim? Only that for some reason Rashi uses the word delatorin. Right. But a delator is an informer, and another another Hebrew word for informer is malshin. But you're right. Rashi doesn't use the word. 
He, okay. he could have used the word machine, but he doesn't. Yeah. It, was just, it was just a digression to remind people that we I, have I, to I, use that word. Which word? The machinim. I mean, most of us read that paragraph and don't think much about it or even think about the history of it having been added to the, right. to the Amidah. Right. It's the word that makes the phrase, the Shemona Esrei, a lie, because it's the 19th blessing that was added on because it was such a, a scourge in the Jewish community. I think that in one of my, um, I have a couple of books that that um, basically are Hebrew elucidations of Rashi's commentary, and one of them, the translation of Dilator to the Hebrew reader who doesn't know Talmudic Hebrew is Malshin. I think that's why that got into my head. Uh, Tova. Um, I, I'm puzzling a little over the shot interpretation of that he was afraid of Pharaoh because why would he be? I mean, if he is a prince of Egypt and for whatever reason has killed an Ivri, why would that be something that Pharaoh would take vengeance for? And so he killed an Egyptian. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. But he killed, he killed an Egyptian. Oh, I'm sorry. What am I thinking? It's the second way around. He killed, right. But even then, he's still a prince. Right. Uh, so it it makes me wonder if uh, it is the killing or him going among the people. Yes. That so, would be the greater concern. What you're saying, Tova, which I embrace, is that that the, the, the engine or the anchor of the drash reading Vayura as something more than just who the fate for his life has some merit because you can make the argument that, you know, he's got diplomatic immunity or something, right? right? right. Um, good, good. Okay. Um, Alan, you're still officially on. We have one more. Um, um, yeah, we have one more Rashi on the, on the comment. And it's another, uh, another version of he starts with like shot and then gives to drash, except he uses not Kipshuto, but Kip, Oh, I just stole one of your words for you. But go ahead, Alan. You have to unmute. It raised the question, why is it one place you use it, ke, uh, this word, you know, as, uh, as it literally is supposed to be, as, as it sounds. But yet previously he used a different word to describe right. it. So that, by the way, is, is in... Um, Rashi does occasionally use the word kipshuto, but the fact that in this same verse, he very clearly uses kemashma'o is why some people believe that the the previous four words, kipshuto, midrasho, de'aglo, which was not in the first printing, may not be original to Rashi, because it doesn't make sense that on the same comment, he would use kipshuto in one line and kemashma'o in the next line. It might be that over thousands of comments sometimes uses one word sometimes the other but when he's doing the exact same form right you know the pshat is this the midrash is this in one comment after another it would make sense that he would use the same language so it it adds um you know testimony to the idea that those four words were probably not original to rashi okay go ahead okay uh umidrasho nodali hadavar shayiti toma alav Tama means to wonder or to be surprised about or curious about. Okay, so in Midrasho, it's curious to him, but what is Nodali, Hadavar, that this thing is known, uh, that, I, that I'd always been puzzled about. This all, this all something that I've always been puzzled about. Machat u Yisrael mikoshiv im umot liot nedavim bavodat pach. Uh, why is it that in uh, uh, what was what, what did Israel sin from all the the seventy nations to go and suffer this uh, uh, onerous work uh, in, in in Egypt as slaves? Adding that, uh, but uh, but now I see that this was. Uh, uh, it's, it, it was because of this Ruim it um, seen now now I see it was this because there are I get I guess what he's saying is because there were these people that could be traders in 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 Egypt that they were these traders that I was worthy of them it's greater than the sins of the other 70 nations that they should be suffering in Egypt like this 
Yeah. So much time warping going on in these set of Midrashim, and you see from the footnotes that they're all from the same Midrash in Tanchuma, that Moshe is seeing the true and complicated and imperfect reality and personality of the people he just met on some level, just realized he might be a part of on some level, is going to redeem on some, day, on some level, and are going to make his life miserable for 40 years in the desert, right? So, so, no, so we read Nodal Hadavar as the thing was known, that's why he flees, he flees um, uh, because he's afraid for his life. Remember what Tova said about how maybe he ought not to have been afraid for his life. The Midrash says, what the thing that was known that he's saying is not that he had committed this, that he had killed the guy, but, but Nodali, it's known to me, now I get it. Now I get why these people are enslaved. They, may, they might indeed be a nation worthy of enslavement because of how they treat one another, right? And so then we might read Vayivrach in the next verse when he flees to be uh, not the mosaic Vayivrach and he flees that we think of, that he fled for his life. Who else flees uh, in a Haftorah we're going to read in a few weeks? Vayivrach Tarshisha, Jonah, Jonah Jonah flees, right? And what does he flee? He flees the responsibility to be a prophet because he doesn't want the burden, right? That that scene in Jonah might be lightly evocative of this scene. And, And the Midrash is saying out that maybe what Moshe is fleeing here is not for his own life. He's fleeing having anything to do with his people. He goes to Midian because... Because maybe he heard in the back of his mind that he's going to be a redeemer of this people. A, they might not ever be worthy of redemption because of these sins. And maybe they should be enslaved. Right? So it's, it's really pre-complicating Moshe's relationship. Rashi is pre-complicating Moshe's relationship with the people who, in the next scene, he's going to be listed as their redeemer and asked to do the job. And his first response when asked to do the job is, I don't want it. So it really gives a wonderful thick pretext to Moshe's psychological, I know it's an anachronistic term, relationship with these people. Okay, uh, Norm, let's see if there are final comments before we end the class. I think it's an unreasonable thing for Moshe to conclude that there are these informers because um, we have this situation where in the previous scene, he saved an Israelite. Chances are, the other people were all not there because they had gone and some of them went to inform his family that he was being killed and they should organize a burial party to go retrieve the body. And then much to everybody's amazement, he shows up at home alive and they're going to want an explanation and they're going to get some sort of an explanation. And so the fact that (laughs) it becomes known, at least among some of the Israelites does not mean that somebody has informed Pharaoh. If it did mean that, chances are Pharaoh would have called him in, and he hasn't. So I think if if this midrash is to be given credibility, it has to be done with a really big tongue-in-cheek. Thank you, Norm. Joel and Barry, then we'll probably call it a day. Well, I'm, I would agree with Norm. The midrash doesn't comport with the scene at the burning bush. The burning bush doesn't say they're not worthy. He's saying I'm not worthy, you know, who am I to redeem them? Um, so if he, if his striking of the Egyptian was already a de- his decision, I am going to, I'm going to save them. Then he wouldn't need convincing that he's the one that's that's worthy of doing that. Right, right. The, the, at some point, the, the combination of all of these, the, the pshat and the midrashim like they become internally contradictory. We can't hold them all simultaneously, even as they, they thicken the plot. It, it, they, don't, they, don't, they don't match up arithmet- arithmetically. And the, and, the, and the shot of Moshe's stance at the burning bush is going to be hard to jibe with this level of midrashim. But what, that's the frustrating beauty of a midrash. It doesn't, it, it, a midrash can always say back to you, I, I don't care if this doesn't jibe with, with, with that scene. It, it, it jibes with how I'm reading this scene, right? That's how, how midrash allowed itself to be playful and internally contradictory. But yes, I agree with that. Barry, last comment. I want to go back to uh, the back backstory. His mom has raised him to know who he is as a young boy. He's still a young boy now. Uh, he, he went out to do what he thought was a good thing. And now he's being criticized for having done that. He, he needs to run away from this. He, he's just, he's running away from this. He's, he's a confused young boy. 
and uh, he needs to get away from here. Yeah. Uh, everyone, Boker Tov, have a great rest of your day. Uh, see you soon. Thanks for all of your contributions to this class. It's, uh, it's really wonderful to study with you. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.